All right, and welcome to another episode, episode number four to be exact, of All Things Bible Study. We are your hosts, Ari Prado and Salo Kifling. And in this episode, I'm going to be uh, interviewing uh, Brother Kieflin a little bit about our previous episode, episode number three. Um, if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to it. We uploaded an audio file uh, of a lesson taught by Reverend Jack Yance. And I can only tell you that the information in that audio file is transformative, uh, eye-opening, and relevant. And I say that it's relevant because it was recorded quite a long time ago. But it's still for us today, and I believe, as does Brother Kifle, that it has a lot to offer all of us. So let's get right into this. Uh, Brother Kifle, I know that you were really impacted by this, um, uh, I don't know what to call it, sermon, lesson, teaching by Brother Jack Yance. Um, I've looked a little bit into who Brother Yance is. He's from the Midwest. We're from the West Coast. He is since deceased and gone on to be with the Lord. Um, but I know you've read a little bit of his bio. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And uh, if anybody here listens and knows Brother Yance, please feel free to tweet us, text us, email us, and correct us on anything we get wrong. Um, but um, I think his bio is worth mentioning. We've talked about it a little bit because it, it does kind of play into, I think, much of his technique and method um, about winning souls. Yeah, absolutely. Um, his bio is can be found, and we, we may drop a link to this on um, on the blog, which is almost up. Uh, and you can read that for yourself. And I think just that alone is enough, you know, to really establish him as, you know, um, an authority on the subject of growing your church through Bible studies. I think at the age of 65, he went to Chicago, started a church, and got it up to 300. And, you know, 65 is, you know, the typical age of retirement yeah. for, for anyone. Not Definitely. Even, you know, um, if you're a minister and you've ministered to that point, you're lucky to get to age 65. But he started all over again. And so, needless to say, I, I, th I think he should be listened to um, on that alone. And the truth is, if you've ever taught Exploring God's Word Bible Study, you've, you've interacted, you've with, interacted John, with Jack Young. Yeah. Um, he was one of the editors, I believe. And so, when I first heard the name, now this is, here's an interesting story. And, um, and I think this is worth mentioning. I was going through a lot of old um, Bible study material that I had. I didn't even know I had. It's just we all have that like part of our shelf where we don't even know how we, those books got there. And this was that section of my bookshelf. And I found binders. I'm talking about three, four, five different binders with Exploring God's Word, Teacher's Manual, and Bible study from like years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they got there. They were just there. And I was flipping through them, and I got to the back of one of these binders, and inside um, is this small 30-page booklet. It was a copy of a copy, you know, yeah. three-hole punch, and it said, 
spiritual reproduction through home Bible studies. And so this is this was my first interaction with with material from from uh, Brother Jack Yance. And I started reading the booklet. It was it was eye opening. And so I went ahead and I typed in his name uh, on the interwebs. And lo and behold, I found a very obscure lesson that he taught. And I think there was like less than 600 listens to this thing. Like it's just, I'm thinking, you know, I'll give this a listen. I did not know what I was in for. The title of it, obviously, if you've already heard it um, on, on our podcast, we posted it, was Service with a Small Crowd. So what we're about to talk about, uh, I will say that some of it doesn't apply to those who are in um, members of the church and you're just teaching Bible studies. This may apply, uh, this may cater a little more to people who already have blessing from their pastor to branch out and start a church or you've already started a small church and you're trying to make the transition from maybe a small group to a church. Right. Um, so but let me jump in here really quick because I, um, I was familiar with Brother Jack Yance through, uh, of course, exploring God's Word and other obscure material that I probably read not even knowing that he had put it out. Uh, but I did go back and kind of look up some of his history and I don't know if I'm connecting dots that don't need to be connected, but um, I remember reading in his bio too that he had um, he had gotten really sick. Yeah, uh, like his health had really deteriorated. Right. Um, prior to him kind of getting put back up on his feet and starting planting churches, um, and so I can't help but to think that somewhere in all of that he had a real aha moment of. of what it's, you know, uh, of using your resources wisely, right? Like when you're as sick as he was, I think there's probably a moment when you're like, okay, I'm going back out into the field. I don't have a lot of time to waste. Life is precious. Time is precious. Right. I should probably make sure that I'm being the most effective that I can be. Absolutely. And uh, the truth is you don't need to be sick though to be in that position, right? Scripture talks about all of us are here but a little time. Yeah. And so I think that um, all of us need to realize that we do have to figure out, we have to be good stewards of our time. And we have to figure out the most effective ways to, if we're called to plant a church, win souls, um, we're all called to win souls, but if we're, if, if we're already in full throttle of maybe planting a church, we don't have a lot of time to waste. Absolutely. Time is precious. Time is of the essence. There's church planners out there trying to be bivocational, hold jobs down, provide for their family, do the godly thing. But they're also trying to figure out how to get the most out of the small amount of time they have when they get home from work and they've attended to the needs of their family. Absolutely. So I think that the Jack Yance file that we uploaded last week helps with a lot of The thing I noticed was that Jack Yance gives us a lot of pitfalls. And let me say this, because this is your interview, but I do want to say this. I, I hate when people get interviewed and the like interviewers like <laughs> doing all the talking. But I do want to say this, because I think that this is a good lesson for everyone to learn. Sometimes you don't have to be smart. You just have to not be dumb. And, and there's a big difference, right? Like sometimes people are, 
sometimes I feel like the enemy deceives us into thinking that it's talents and abilities that make the difference. But the reality is, is that there are people out there with limited giftings, limited talents, but the one thing they are, they are very good at is not making the same mistake twice. I don't know if you've ever read Brother Rick Mayo's book on... You have. You have. You, I you, have yes, yeah. okay. And that's definitely something that we need to talk there's, about. There's yeah. another book. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Brother Rick Mayo, Spokane, Washington. He wrote a great book called The Day of Small Things. But in there, he made a, uh, um, he made, he made a mention of something while he was planting a church of how important it is to learn lessons quickly. Absolutely. And to not commit the same mistake twice is not a matter of intelligence giftings or talents it's a matter of listening and obeying and jack yance seems to like really come from the from right off right off the bat he's kind of telling people more what not to do and i think that if you can get a hold of what not to do there's a natural growth that begins to occur yeah right so why don't we talk a little bit from the outset of some of the don'ts that jack yance mentions in this message that stood out to you so some of the don'ts and and i do agree and that learning what not to do is probably one of the most vital lessons you can learn you know um and you'll either learn them through hardship or or take it from somebody else that's the truth and I if, learned, ever, right? if ever right yeah. if ever yeah if ever yeah. i learned a, i learned a lot of the lessons maybe the hard way um he starts out by saying, starting a, a service with a small crowd is going to take a massive mental adjustment. And, you know, something I know we've talked about in passing a lot of times is lockjaw. Yes. That's what he means, all right? And what... Yes, what, let, let, let's introduce let's our crowd. Yeah, here, let, here's the glossary. Here's the uh, all things Bible study word of the day. Lockjaw. Is, is lockjaw. What is lockjaw? Lockjaw is... All of us have preconceived ideas of how church should be. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what church you come from. All of us have a pre preconceived idea. Our tendency and our <laughs> propensity to hold on to these ideas, you know, and all of us, the truth is, we hold on to things of, you know, varying degrees. And depending on your personality, your church background, whether you were raised in a minister's home, which I was, yeah. will produce a certain amount of lockjaw. And there's things that I just had lockjaw on, and I could not let these ideas go. To me, they were just they were the quintessential you know thing that you had to do, or they were absolutely essential or vital. And you so, were basically implementing these things into every service, every lesson, every yeah. yeah. And so immediately, what Jack Yance seeks to do is give you essentially the antidote for lockjaw. And yeah. he says, I wish I could erase everything you know about church from your mind. Yeah. And this is what he says. He, he, he says classical church, all right? And so what we all know of as church, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday evening, Bible study, Friday, um, you know, two, yeah. four songs, testimony. Offering, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that stuff he, he puts in the category of established classic church yeah stuff that yeah and if you're trying to establish that with two people it, it doesn't work and so we, you know, we we tend to create like a bit of a boutique effect 
Yeah. Um, with Elaborate on that. What do you mean by that? So essentially, like we have little small bonsai churches. Yeah, real pretty. But super, we're trying to implement everything we know from our established from, church From experience. the bigger established, yes. yeah. Into or, a, or more, yeah. And not just bigger, but perhaps more established church. That's probably better, yeah. Yes, more, more established. Um, and he's trying to essentially, in the, for 46 minutes, undo all of that. Well, it, and something we talk a lot about, which I think he's doing, is he's elaborating on, on the need to understand scaling. Scales, yes. And scale is a big issue. It's a huge issue when we're talking about church planting and Bible studies. You cannot take what you learn. You cannot take what you practice in a congregation of a 50, 100, 300, whatever, to a Bible study. No. You have to scale. So here's something that, you know, when I first started pastoring, there was just a lot of, uh, you know, people are, there's just, I guess they're just things that people say to you when you start a church, like just have good church or preach like every service is a conference. And, you know, those are they seem like platitudes at the end of the day because I tried them and there really was no, there was no formula. I mean, like, what is the formula for good church? And what, what does preaching like, a, like, like it's a conference sound like when there's two people in front of you, you know? Yeah. Um, so you have to, yeah. So what, what Jack Yance did was gives you a clear picture of what scaling looks like. And it looks like a lot of things that you're not, the truth is it's, you're many, not accustomed to, that you're not accustomed to. And so, you know, if he talks about, man, if your church is in your home um, or you're doing a small group in your home and, and you're going to launch out into a service from a Bible study, he talks about turning the instruments off. Like, you don't have to do that. You know, and there was one part where he talks about um, there, was a, there was a couple who was going to start a church and they were worried they were not going to be able to create a Pentecostal atmosphere. And his question to the couple was, what is a Pentecostal what atmosphere? What is a Pentecostal atmosphere? At the end of the day... Well, and let's say this. I think it's wisdom to know whatever you perceive as a Pentecostal atmosphere looks different at different sizes. If you're, I, I think that's wisdom to understand that a Pentecostal atmosphere and a home Bible study is going to look very different than a Pentecostal atmosphere at a, a conference. Church, at a conference. Absolutely. Now, I know Jack Yance kind of goes the other direction with this thought of like, and I think he tells the lady, show me in the scripture what that looks like, right? Yeah, no, he kind of challenges her. Biblically, show me, me yes. where we're supposed to have our services organized in a certain way. way you know, yeah. the traditional, yeah. you know, classic way. So all he is doing is trying to make it prepare us to be mentally flexible. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's treating the lockjaw. Yeah. 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 So he's just like you know, he's just we call him Dr. Yance. You know, yeah. just affectionately, affectionately rest in peace, but yeah. Um, Dr. Yance is dropping science. And so yeah. he's, as he's going through this 46 minutes, this is what's happening to me. I'm actually like feeling less and less pressure on myself to have this incredible full-scale service with like four people. And what he is, what he is advocating for, so now I'm going to talk about what he is advocating for, is ministering, being able to minister regardless of your circumstances, of what equipment you have or don't have. You know, and, he, you know, he mentioned one part. This was incredible, and I, and I'm, and I guess I'm re regressing back to what to not do. You know, he had a guy who... No, had, and I want us to, because, yeah. again, 
knowing what not to do can be just as powerful. Just as powerful. As knowing what to do. Or more powerful. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you look at the Ten Commandments, right? Right. There, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Because, so, yeah, if you're trying to educate large masses who just came out of slavery and are not probably in the best condition to start philosophizing and, and even coming up with new ideas, yeah. it's just easier to tell them what not to do. So here's what I thought was one of the best do-nots. And that is, do not departmentalize your church too early. Yes. He says, very good. He's, he says something very powerful. He says the organization will happen naturally when it is truly needed. All right. The truth is, a group of 10 people is very manageable. I made what I believe is a very classic mistake, and I'm willing to say a lot of church plants make this, of departmentalizing. And so we start making departments out of a group of 20 people. The truth is, we should be training more people to just teach Bible studies. Yeah, I made the same mistake. Like, I definitely got, I got shot right between the eyes when I listened to this because I remember that probably about four months prior to this, I started like a deacon's class. I meant well. I feel like laughing right now. <laughs> right? Like, I'm... I'm just roasting. Like, this is a light roast on myself. But um, I started like a deacon's class. I meant well. It was very um, premature. And I felt, initially I felt like it was what God wanted. Like, for me to train leaders. Like, train leaders. Right. But really what the Holy Ghost is calling for at this scale. I'm not saying there's not a place for leadership training. Because there absolutely is. But when you, but again, we're going back to scaling. Scaling. And at the level and at the scale that I was at and where I'm currently still at, leadership classes is not what's needed. A full corpus, a full body church evangelistic is what's needed at the church plant level. Getting people fired up about teaching Bible studies, winning souls. And as we I don't about, need a deacon class. Right. And as we talked about, ingrained in the Bible study discipline or lifestyle are a lot of those things that we would already incorporate. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's it's like it's a bit of an all all inclusive package. So you know so here's something that I've heard once again often when you know people heard I was pastoring initially, it was don't lose momentum. All right. So I feel this is important to address because Jack Yance is advocating that people actually scale back if they're doing something that's not working. But when you have lockjaw, which I did have, and there's parts of me that I'm still trying to, you know, just let go of certain ideas, you just want to bulldoze through and just you know, implement your idea at all costs. And you feel like the devil's resisting you. Sometimes your better judgment is just letting you know this is not a good idea. And so. Um, somebody once said that when you're at, when you're on the edge of a cliff, even a step backwards is progress. Yeah, right, exactly. So, I I scaled backward, and guess what? We gained ground. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're doing something that's not productive, stopping doing it is productive, and so we feel like stopping anything at any point is not productive. You know, so Jack Yance is advocating for you know not yelling at you know groups of two or three people. You know, not having a service with just your family. You know, go have ice cream. You know what I mean? So, you know, and, and let me say this. Uh, let, let me share one experience. Yeah. Um, here in Alameda, and and I want to, I, I think it's important to notice this because those kinds of behaviors have a ripple effect. Um, 
our church has personally suffered because of now these were not our own people these are of another denomination etc but i remember when we were trying to rent a building out here in alameda i constantly came across landlords that said you know what i'd gladly rent to you but we had there in, in fact there was like one particular guy who's like rented out so many buildings in the city where i'm at it's almost comical but he's like known in this city as the guy with five members and a huge speaker. They said the guy was just blowing windows out. And Gosh. and um, a lot of landlords just didn't want to rent to us because they had they were like, bro, I we cannot afford to have three of you in here blowing out the windows. And um, yeah, that that had an effect on me. That if somebody and I would say that I, I think the guy was Pentecostal, not of our rank, not of our uh, persuasion yeah, or... or apostolic, right? He was not that. Yeah. But he obviously was of some sort of spirit-filled type. And um, yeah, the guy left a lot of bad impressions. Also, there was a lot of building opportunities that were like available, but there was already another real small group there. That all to me, you know, in many cases looked like they were, I remember one particular group that was just occupying huge amounts of space and there was only like three of them and it had been that way for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, 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 I'm feeling what Jack, I remember one time to my, I'm, I'm embarrassed here and this is, you know, whatever, but I can remember very early on um, myself just preaching as hard as I could to like three people like sweating and like going in conference mode or at least what I perceived as conference mode and really thinking that was virtuous. Um, I didn't do that here in Alameda because by that time I had already learned that lesson, but in prior um, church plant situations that I've been in, in the past, like doing that. And I remember just learning my lesson really quick and being like, you know what? That's just not working. Yeah. I, I need to, I need to chill and I need to teach. Yeah. And be able to minister at the appropriate level. And and that's ultimately yes. what he's getting at. He he actually he called it that. Learn how to minister at the, the appropriate, appropriate level. Level. Yeah. Yeah. You, there's a lot you could just say about that. And to anybody who's planting a church out there, planting a church, I think it's important to know this. And in, even if you're involved, like, it's easier to turn a boat around when it's smaller. Absolutely. Nobody's, Yeah. And a lot of times we're it big bigger operations can't just turn midstream. Yeah. You know, um, so I could see the virtue or even the how in some situations it necessitates that you carry out a plan, you know, once you get it started. But I think that like when you're smaller, you ought to take advantage of the benefits that come with being of a smaller size. Right. Like you, like you, you really can't have some more yeah is steep. Right, and you're you're going to be making adjustments like on the fly, like okay, if, you got to think on your feet. If it's not working, it's like it's like not working, you know. And I, it took me so long to get certain ideas out of my head, you know. Um, you know, particularly, personally, because I never really evangelized before I started pastoring. Yeah, and there's just a lot of things you learn, um, just from being out there on the field. Of what to do and what not to do. Yeah, I saw a lot of that when I evangelized, preached out. Um, I did see a lot of guys that were going 100 miles per hour 
in, in smaller situations. And I think that um, they would have benefited from scaling, from saying, you know what, this situation probably um, demands a little less. Or not less, but a different approach. A different approach. Right. And, you know, honestly, I'm wiped out come Mondays, okay? And I have help. But the service from the cleaning to the preaching, are, I'm involved in all of that. Right. At times. I now, now, thank God, I have people that help me clean and all that. But um, they're still on any given moment. I might show up here, uh, and I'm still blowing leaves Sunday morning. And I'm still sweeping and helping put out the sign and turn the sound equipment on. So I'm, like, really tired after, like, Sunday morning. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really putting a lot into the service. So for me to, for me to learn how to scale is to my benefit. It's not. It's not hurting me. Um, yeah. It's not hurting me. Yeah. So so in summary, here's just a list of a few of the things that he says to not do. Don't departmentalize prematurely. Okay. Um, don't blow out a small group with full music, full song service. Um, don't. Another thing he says is if you are in a small home situation and you're looking for a building is don't sit people on comfortable couches you know like they'll go to sleep he also mentions um i've just drawn a blank here trying to remember some of the things that were like definitive like do not do i'm trying to think of some of the things that i remember oh don't 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 preach at people preach to people good yeah minister to them another one of the things he talks about was do not do not smash other churches do not do not trash talk their denominal church don't just when you're that and oh this oh this one was good this oh dude bro this is probably one of the best ones don't talk about who is not there when you have guests, yes, be like, bless God, you know, you know, uh, so glad you're here. We normally have more people, but looks like they didn't show up today. I'm not going to embarrass myself and say how many times I've, I've done that. Yeah, you know, um, but this is what he says. He says something very, very good. He's like, before they came to your church, they knew you were a small church, and in fact, that's why they came. Yes. So he he says, don't talk about the building you don't have, the people who are not there ever. That's good. You you really do do yourself a, a, a disservice. Yes. And and even them. This is something else he talks about. He's, he ta- he says, don't talk about you know how big your movement is. You know it just it's just awkward. You know yeah. it's like the Pentecostal movement is the fastest growing movement. Like if you're doing that in the room of two people, they're gonna be like, what are you thinking? Like we we get it. We know you're a small church and. He really does try to give you just a what honestly what you may appear to sound like if you do those things from the perspective of a raw sinner. You know, if they're walking into a small building, you know, we've had church in basements, houses, uh, we've had outdoor services, we've done recreation centers. We, you know, if you were trying to portray yourself as something it is not. It will seem disingenuous to people. Yeah, you know, and and I'll say this too. Um, This is 
what I believe good advice. I believe this to be good advice. Yeah. Um, one thing that I learned is that there's, and I, please excuse any terminology here that may sound offensive or less than honoring of the ministry in the work of God. But let me just use these terms for the sake of the idea that I want to convey. Um, there is a market for small churches. So I actually, early on in the church, in our church plant here in Alameda, I discovered that there's actually people looking for a small group. Yes. There's actually people that relish in the idea that there's only five people in the room. And they actually want a church where they could probably have a few minutes with the pastor. And we actually had some of those people come with us. We like, it's funny. I, I think I've talked to you about this. We had like five people, church folks come like they were looking for that church of five. And the minute we hit six, they left. <laughs> no, we really did. Like we had a few people that were here for like, they were on board for like, as long as the church stayed under 10. But the minute we went under 10, they left. But they were a huge blessing when we were when we were under 10. Yeah. They really were. And I never mentioned, hey, wish, wish there were more of us here or we have a lot of people out today. I've, I've always tried to really not talk about that. And I just learned that a long time ago. Um, yeah, if you're not home missions, like you don't know the joy of seeing one person walk through the door. Like <laughs> this might sound This might sound crazy to some people, but... It was very early on. I was like, oh, oh, snap. There's like people looking for small churches. Right. So when I did outreach, it was not beyond me to be like, hey, we're a small intimate group. Like, you know, small group, yeah. you know, you know. There's people who are looking for that. You're right. Yeah. There's actually like people out there that are like, oh, great. I've been looking for that three-member church. And you really can use that to your advantage. Um, I, I'm not saying that that's what you should go around advertising like. You know, hey world, look, there's a little church waiting for you. But I'm just saying, just know that people are are aware that there is such a thing that, as a yes, small church. There are people out there that are aware of the fact that there are small churches, and they like that. And yes, and that may that may be ideal for someone. And so we just, you know, we're globally minded, right? We we, yeah. we mean well, you know. And I mean, every everything he talked about was lessons like I learned the hard way. And we're talking about scaling here. We're not saying that church as we know it is bad. We're no. just saying, as as was Brother Yance. I'm just echoing. Yeah, we're yeah. echoing here. Yeah, we're yeah, we're just recapping the sermon, giving you some commentary, but we're also talking about things we've learned. Yes, if you once again, if you haven't listened to it already, I highly recommend. Go back and listen. Go to back. We we're having some recording issues. Like I guess the volume is bad. Old, yeah, it's an yeah. old recording, and so like the first ten seconds are like very muffled, and all of a sudden it gets like very clear. Yeah. So go back, listen to it. It's forty six minutes. It's full of so many gems uh, that have helped me. You know, um, one of the things he talks about of, as far as things to not do is like have a full size pulpit. Like, right. you know, in a super small, like, garage setting. Or, yeah, we've we've actually even kind of deemed a phrase for this, right? Big little church? Like, yeah, big yeah. little church. Don't have big little church. Don't have big little church. All He's advocating for... Scale. For scale and the ability, and for young church planters to have the ability 
to minister regardless of their building situation. To not be like building centric. To not be building centric. Yeah. If you have a building, great. That is awesome. Most people don't have their own building. You know, they don't have pillars and green carpet yet. All right. Most most church planners do not. Yeah. If you already have that going in, that's your, that's to your advantage. Here on the West Coast, all right, here in the, the Bay Area, um, having your own church building property is almost unheard of at Rare. starting out. So most people are, are, are using, you know, um, the repurposing commercial spaces a lot of times and community centers. Right. And learn how to minister at the maximum capacity, but also at the... At the make the most of the setting you have, and and you, don't be limited by it. Don't yeah. yes, and so don't let it determine what you do. Like exactly, yeah. and so he's just trying to address the fact that a lot of church planners feel limited by the fact that they don't have full music ushers church as we know it. Learn to minister to people in the simplest of settings, and. Um, once again, go listen to it. It's amazing. I don't know if you have any more questions for me. I, I've listened to it like six times. So No, that's uh, all. I, I just felt like it would be a great yeah. uh, topic. It was a gem. We're, it was we're, a trying gem. To, we're trying to make it go viral. Yeah, we're also going to upload some more sermons, and we'll give you some commentary on what we felt uh, was valuable in those sermons, what was great, what was lifting, and why we're uploading them, perhaps. Right. We'll even try to give you... Uh, some ideas as to why we upload these sermons, yeah, and what like what's standing out to us and what's uh, being said. So we actually reached out to a listener um, and said, "Hey, what did you think of the Jack Yachts?" And this is someone yeah, who, yeah. What did he? Uh, yeah, he. This is someone who teaches a lot of Bible studies, preaches out, but when he goes home, he's putting in the work and uh, goes to a very large church and. This is what he told me. The way Jack Yance described what a church tr- service truly is. You know, what is what is a Pentecostal church service? And he said it very simply. He's like, when we say Pentecostal church service, what we are describing is the feeling of the presence of God in the room. You know, feeling yeah. the Holy Ghost in the room. Yeah. And he says, how do you do that? He's like, if it's just two people, it, 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 you know, there's a, there's a way to do that. You just love, you love God. You love God. Um, you open up your mouth and you say, "I love you, Jesus." And, and the, if you're if you're Holy Ghost filled, the Spirit of God will fill the room. And so we tend to overcomplicate what a Pentecostal atmosphere truly is. But at its core, we know it's the presence of God in the room where people can feel it, people can be touched, people can be filled with the Holy Ghost. This can happen with just two people in a room. Yeah, you know, and I will say this: um, I. Uh... When I first started, I did not want to have too many services where it was just me and my wife. I had I had already done church planting before. I had assisted a pastor in a in a home mission setting. Um, I had also evangelized for many years, and I could just tell you that I saw the toll it was taking on other preachers' wives and church planters' wives. When and children and children when they were when they were just having a service, bless God, just them. Now this is very sensitive, and and I and I do think, and I want to be very reverent and sensitive. Yeah. And if there's any home mission kids 
um, who are listening to this or home missions parents, um, you know, home missionaries who are listening to this. Um, and growing up, I had a lot of friends who were also home, home missions yeah, yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. And there's a sensitivity. There really is a sensitivity to that kids have to just being the only ones there, you know. And, man, I say this with all reverence. And if I can help someone, um, you know, I hope this helps someone. But if nobody shows up, I think the most productive thing you could do is, um, man, scale, scale, scale. In that moment, in that moment, if you push through, and don't put a guilt trip on yourself. Don't for guilt, skin. yes, don't, don't guilt, guilt trip, trip yourself. yourself. Yeah, you know, some people say never cancel a service, and I do agree. If you have people coming consistently, never cancel. But this is ultimately. But how long I'm, does that take? I'll, so I'll give you a good takes example. A long time. We are we are running. Uh, we are running eighty people. Okay. Yeah. Um, canceling I, at eighty versus canceling. Well, no. One. Well, I, I will. Well, let me say this. Yeah. We are running eighty people. Last Thursday, we have a midweek Spanish service. I pastor two congregations. One's English. One is Spanish. Yeah. We have a midweek Spanish service. Last week at our midweek Spanish service, no one showed up except for one family. Okay. Yeah. This is the first time this has happened in maybe two years. Mm-hmm. No one showed up. This family actually happens to be the family that cleans our church. They've just offered to clean the church. So you know what I did? I didn't. I didn't have church. I took them out to ice cream. And there's nothing wrong with that. I scaled. I need to I need to spend time with these people every chance I get anyways. Yeah. And not just quote unquote church time. And so it was just us and them. And they were more than happy to spend time with Pastor. But let me tell you something. I didn't guilt trip myself. I said, you know what? I'm gonna scale. We went to go have ice cream, and when we walked through the door. We actually ran into a lady that's been interested in coming to our church. Right. And this lady was really surprised to see us and meet more members of our church. And it was the minute I saw that lady, I knew I was like, you know what? This is right. This yeah. is just right. Like we, th- I did the right thing. And, and I'm going to say this. Um, I know a lot. I have friends that probably would down me for that. They'd be like, bro, you just never do that. You, but you just, you know, just keep going. This is an honorable thing. I wasn't raised in church. So I do have, I, I might, there, there could probably be areas where I lack some consistency. Cause I think, I think when you're raised in church, you just have some consistency patterns that yeah. are real strong. And, and, and I was raised in church and I thought it really was a, there did the 11th commandment was, you know, thou shalt never, not thou cancel, shalt not service, cancel yeah. a, a home mission service, even if no one shows up. Right. That was like the holy grail of home missions, and it was almost like a ba- like the, you know the red badge of courage to have preached to empty pews for weeks on end. Yes. And it's not. It's Let, not. Yeah. I, but but this is what I was going to say earlier, and maybe you can talk about this. When we started, I didn't want my family to go through too many of those because they seem to drain emotionally. Out of my, I knew that it would because I had seen it in the lives of other people, and I I was afraid yeah. of it myself. It can really drain the family, the the wife and yeah. the kids. It can, and 
emotionally. I can call any one of the home mission, you know, kids that grew up with me and we, we have stories, you know, yeah. and you create good memories. And, you know, when you're a kid, there's a lot of stuff um, that you just roll with, you know, because you're, you're a young person. And so I think it's interesting that, you know, we can look, talk about this issue from both sides of the equation. But honestly, if I could, if I could encourage in some way a church planner, you know, by using, you know, the Jack Yance material, which helped me as to knowing how to scale. And, and if no one shows up, Man, have ice cream and get a contact. But let's say this. So let's give some actionable alternatives. Like, what could I do? Um, I actually think that in some cases, um, you could just, if let's just say it's a church planner situation, wife, kids, yeah. maybe just husband and wife even. I actually think you're perfectly in order to wrap things up, grab a handful of flyers and go knock some doors. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I personally think that there would be less less of a blow to the momentum, the, the, the sense of, uh, I, I just think that people would, would not feel as the drain wouldn't be so hard on, on the couple. Lockjaw is taxing. This is the truth. Yeah. If, like if, if, if you, you double can, down, you got to stay flexible. Yeah. You have to stay flexible. If you double down in the, in the initial stages of a church plant on, on, on whatever, you know, things you may consider, um, this absolutely, essential if you double down on those it, at the end of the day it it taxes and drains you but if we somehow allow ourselves to become more flexible and, and adjust our thinking as as brother Yance is is you know so fittingly recommending for young church planners if you remain flexible and your goal is to just get contacts teach the bible studies um you know i really do think it will it will relieve the pressure from off of you and give you more purpose. Less pressure, more purpose. Yeah. You know, don't don't push through a tough sermon and, and blame the devil for resisting you. You know. Yeah. Uh, but there was just times I thought the devil was resisting me. It really was my better judgment saying this is this is awkward, dude. You know, d- don't yell. It's not the time to yell. And I'm I'm not saying I'm not. I don't want anyone to misunderstand what we're saying and think that, you know, we're not for passionate preaching. We struggle. We struggle to, to keep a lid I, on it. You and know and I mean? those of you that are listening to this podcast, if you've ever heard Brother Prado preach, you know I'm, I will yell probably too much. Yeah. But no, in fact, for those of didn't you, who, didn't you tell me that your neighbors in your, in, of your church have been complaining? Yes. Like we're, yeah. Like we're getting complaints right now that we're too loud. But Pentecostals. The cops. Way. In Listen. fact, you were preaching for us and the cops showed up. Yeah. So, like, yes. So that's not our problem here. No, yeah, that's not our problem. Pentecostals have never had a problem. I with... don't recommend that you teach a Bible study, you know, at Starbucks yelling. No. You it... don't need to go into your pre- right. You don't. We don't need announcements. Like That would not be ministering yeah. at, the, at the appropriate level. Yeah, so just know that what you're doing has levels. I think that, yeah. Yeah. Scalability. Scalability, I, I think, is scale is the big word here, is the word of the day. Scale. Don't have lockjaw. Don't have lockjaw. Don't have a. Um, Be flexible. You know, a Corinthian puller pulpit in a small, you know, like home, home style church or, you know, um, be yeah, just be flexible. And man, this is just this is stuff I. You do. know, I heard JT Pugh say something that was really good when um, regarding one of the churches that he pastored early on. And he said that on Wednesday nights, he would not preach from behind the pulpit. 
But when he wanted to create a smaller setting, even among a larger group, he had like a single, like, you know, like a podium style pulpit. Right. Very, very, very uh, just plain looking. Yeah. And this is something established church pastors will do. When yeah. They, when they want to, to draw, draw in people the crowd. In, in for a more personal environment. Yeah. They'll get a smaller, a smaller pulpit or, you know, music. Take it stand. off the platform. Take it off. The, yes. And put it 10 feet closer to the congregation. And I would say this, if, if, a, if an established church with a larger congregation, if the pastor feels times to do that every so often, I think so much more a church plant pastor needs to be trying to get in a more and minister in the most personal way to the group. You know, but if you're if you have three people and you're standing 20 feet away, I'm telling you, I've been there before. If you're standing, 20, yes, I've done those. If, yeah, if you're, you're like, pulpit, yeah. There's like five people, and I'm like, I'm on, I'm on a like a, a like a stage. An echo, the speakers are loud. Listen, yeah, an echo I've is those, nice yeah. at a conference. That like that reverb you know I'm talking about. Yeah, that reverb is nice when there's two thousand people. Yeah, if you have a reverb in your room with two with two people, bad. You know, I'll say this, and even here in our in our local church. And when I evangelized, I frustrated the fire out of some guys. And probably now I'm, I'm pulling the, the, the big curtain back. A lot of guys probably never understood why I did this. I'd get calls, texts later. Hey, you know, and even here at our local church, um, they were complaining for a while. When I felt that the crowd was not large enough, I'd put the mic down and I'd just start talking. No, so that's a good one. And I I would pull away from the sound and all that and just start talking. Um, and man, the people, the most frustrating people was the guy trying to record the sermon. Everyone else was glad I did it. And the service did come out much better. Right. So, but I learned that in my days of home missions and church planting and Bible studies. And I learned that there's a certain intimacy level that if if it can be cultivated and worked it it's it helps it helps a lot absolutely and you get the most bang for your buck yeah i do want to say this because i think this is a, a a good nugget for some people out there uh especially when you're running smaller numbers if you're getting frustrated with people who sometimes come and sometimes don't People that'll show up one week and then not show up the next week. You know, one thing I learned very early on was when I do, when those people do come through the door, the one thing I never say to them is, "Hey, we've missed you. Nice to see you." Yeah, and where the reason where, yeah, you know what? That is just a very polite way of saying where you've been. Now, the one thing I learned very early on was you have no idea how hard it might have been for that person to walk back through the door, right? When they know they've been a bit flaky. Yeah. And when you when they come through the door, even when you even when you put a veneer over it, they kind of still pick up on what you're saying. Yeah. And it makes it that much harder for them to come again. Right. So those were like little lessons I learned very early on because I didn't want to have a lot of just me and my wife having church services. And because I did implement some of those things, my wife can tell you right now. That there was only about a handful of services, and I, I, I'm going to go once for, I, half a handful of services where it was just me and her. Yeah, 
And I don't even remember how many times that happened. We were blessed. And a lot of it was just thanks to scaling. Yeah. And knowing that it was okay to scale. It was okay to change midstream. It was all right to quiet down. It was all right to not have a piano playing. Yeah, because... It I was okay not to yell. It was okay to, to not yell, you know? Yeah. Ultimately, the takeaway, the biggest takeaway from this is the ability to mentally adjust your expectations of what the next service is going to be like. Yeah. And um, this will, depending on your church background, you know, what you've known growing up, this will either be easier or harder for you. Everyone is a little different. Yeah. Um, so go back, listen to it if you haven't. Once again, I, you know, I hope everyone listens to it. Yeah. If you don't listen, the truth is it's more important to listen, to go back and listen to it than it is to listen to this. We just felt it deserved a discussion uh, because it was so relevant. So number one, mentally adjust your expectations. And, and of course, there's a whole list of things he recommends to not do. And I think from there, it's very natural what to do. That becomes very, very apparent. Um, so we're, we're right at um, time to... 45 minutes, this show's over. And uh, we hope you enjoyed listening. Go back, listen to Brother Yance. Rest in peace, mighty man of God. Yeah, God bless him. God bless him. The memory of the just is blessed. Amen. And uh, we'll we'll be uploading this and many more episodes in the weeks to come. Thanks for listening.